1: And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into freaking October. (laughs)
2: Let's
1: go. Happy spooky
2: season, homies.
1: Happy October, bitches. You know what? (laughs) I have been so, so, so ready for October Mm -hmm. because, because this year, like the... I think we discussed this previously. I don't think we've said it in an episode, but we talked about this somewhere. Maybe it was on stream. Like this year has been feeding us deliciously as far as horror movies go. Yes. And so for I don't know, just this year, like I've been ready for October because every time a new scary movie dropped, I was like, yeah, this is good. This is good. This is making me already feel Spooky, and so now that October is approaching, it's weird because I almost feel like it's been October all year, mm-hmm. but it's official now.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it has been a fantastic year for us horror lovers. Um, we've had some banger movies come out this year, some that are like really high up on my list now, too. I mean, from like X to Nope, got Pearl, Barbarian. Mm-hmm new orphan movie yeah. we got halloweens we got yes. screams like yes. yo it talk has to been them.
1: talk to the people good <laughs> this
2: year like we've been great we've been feasting it ain't thanksgiving yet but damn it we eating
1: i'm full i'm <laughs> full and the year's not even through i can't take it anymore i'll keep eating but i shouldn't <laughs> but no yeah it's it's October is here now. It's what we've been waiting for. It's what we all always wait for when the spooky time is in full effect. And of course, when every horror podcast ramps up everything that they're doing. (laughs) Um, October, I guess, is the overtime for anybody doing a horror podcast. So, But it's great, you guys. There's plenty of podcast to choose from they are all going to be covering um amazing movies in october i feel like everybody always waits to pull out the big guns in october mm-hmm. um us included we're not going to spoil it for you guys but we've got plans oh, we
2: got plans
1: we got plans <laughs> and we we hope that uh we we continue to also spoil you guys in in horror goodness this month but we thought it would be nice <laughs> for this first just this first as a little uh, just a little ease in just a little little tiptoe appetizer into, yes the little uh, some hors d'oeuvres for you guys <laughs> we thought it would be nice to cover a movie that is a little bit lighter in tone but still on the creepy side mm-hmm. um Especially for me, after last week, after Wolf's Creek, I needed a little bit of a break.
2: Yeah, same. I I needed a palate
1: cleanser. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think we all did. I just wanted something just just nice and easy and fun. And Mm -hmm. so we decided that we were going to take a look at some children's horror, which it's been a while since we've kind of discussed um and really we for anybody who hasn't checked out we do have a full episode on children's horror however in Mm. the episode we didn't go into any movies full on per se um so we thought it would be fun to completely cover one of those movies today and we chose Coraline.
2: Yes, we did. And now granted, there were a couple choices that we could have made, but there was something about Coraline that I think really called to us. And I don't know about you, but it's been a little bit since I've seen it. I've seen it quite a few times. I love this movie, Um, but it's been a while since I've revisited it. And I don't think I've ever sat and watched it with the kind of lens that I was watching it with um, for this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited to actually have a conversation about it because... This is this is a movie that I I will say from the beginning, I really, really like and like, I'm just excited to see what the conversation we have on it is going to be.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I've never really talked about Coraline or dove deeply into this movie. Um, I also have seen this movie quite a few times. It's been a while, but I will say there was a period of time where I feel like I watched this movie a shit ton. And I also think I remember it being played on TV quite a bit for a period. Yeah, there. I think so. Yeah. And I was all about that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm excited to to talk about this one and to just have a nice little fun breather for now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> for now. For now. Uh, don't worry. We'll we'll get back into the bloodshed and the mayhem oh. later this month.
1: Yeah, it's a must. But for <laughs> now, um, let's go ahead and and rate Coraline on a scare scale. Mm-hmm. One to five. Roshane, how scary is Coraline?
2: All right. So. For me, Coraline is a solid maybe like one point five, and I think that's being generous. <laughs> yeah, um, in terms of how scary it is, especially at this age, uh, like it doesn't scare me in any way. However, however, I will say that the movie is creepy. It has some creepy spots. And as a movie that I think is typically regarded as one that you would watch with a family or like watch with your kids or something like that, I do think for younger audiences and kids, they might find certain things a bit scarier and a bit creepier. Mm-hmm. So I think for like adults, a solid like 1.5, maybe two if you're if you're a little jumpy, but maybe for kids, like a two and a half to a three. Cause I think even in the realm of scares for kids, it really just leans in the creepy it doesn't get too yeah. too scary until maybe like the ending yes um so yeah i'll, I'll stick to there 1.5 for the adults maybe a 2.5 for the kids
1: yeah i'd give Coraline a one um for on the scare factor it has some creepy-esque moments but nothing too scary nothing that's gonna make you feel feel jumpy or anything like that. But yeah, I agree with you. For kids, this might be like a 2, 2.5. I feel like Coraline is the perfect starter horror movie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It very much is the perfect amount of of scary for a child where they would be like, okay, this is what it feels like to be to watch a movie and be scared. But there's also enough whimsy in it that they would enjoy it. And also, it's just a great movie for adults to watch. So like, if you want to maybe introduce a horror to uh, some younger people in within your family who have never seen anything scary at all Coraline is a great introduction granted there are some themes here and some moments here that maybe might give depending on their age them nightmares but I think even still it's like fun enough that that would quickly pass <laughs> so yeah. yeah one for an adult two two and a half for a kid and also can I say too it's so weird as soon as October hits I always 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 lean towards kids horror like that mm-hmm. is always what i begin with the month with i always lean towards like hocus pocus Coraline. i've been re-watching so weird um <laughs> are you afraid of the dark like mm-hmm. all the simpsons treehouse of Horror. like all of oh, that so good as is, is what i start off october with And Mm -hmm. Halloween Town. I watched Twitches the other day. Um, That movie's a lot goofier than I recall it being, but still works. Still works. (laughs) Basically, I'm stuck on Disney Plus. If you guys can't tell, (laughs) I'm in my Disney Plus era. Fan the Um, Halloween
2: section of Disney Plus, and it's just going mad crazy. And
1: they do. They already have their Halloween collection is up, and you can just go ahead and breeze through there. Uh, So yeah children's horror is always where i start as soon mm-hmm. as as october is approaching so once again Coraline fits perfectly into that watch it check it out <laughs> with the whole family
2: <laughs> all right well then without further ado shall we hop in and start talking about the Coraline itself mm-hmm. all right homies we are entering into spoiler territory so you have been warned but Today, we're talking about Coraline from 2009. This movie was written and directed by Henry Selick, uh, based off the novel from Neil Gaiman, starring Dakota Fanning as Coraline, Terry Hatcher as Mel, John Hodgman as Charlie, Robert Bailey Jr. as Wybie, and Keith David as the cat.
3: Coraline Jones and her family are the newest neighbors at the Pink Palace Apartments, a building said to be several decades old. Coraline is fed up with her family, struggling to garner attention from even her own mother. But after a quick trip through a hidden door in her new home, Coraline meets her other family and a world tailored just for her. All seems well at first, each night more magical than the next, but something's not right about the other mother, and Coraline is beginning to notice. Insert strange and eccentric neighbors, stealthy stray cats, and Bobinsky's famous jumping mouse circus here. Our film concludes with Coraline facing off against the other mother in a battle for her soul. Will she succeed and save her friends and family? Or will she be trapped in the other world for the rest of time? Also, I don't like rats, even at the best of times. Roll credits. Same yeah big
1: same
2: big same
1: i relate to this cat on so many levels
2: (laughs) why because it's keith david
1: well yeah (laughs) because i have a smooth smooth deep voice like keith david which by the way whoever decided that this black cat should sound like like butter and honey and sweet dark (laughs) chocolate velvet Go go ahead and give him a raise (laughs) because when Keith David's voice comes out of that cat, how did it not blow Coraline all the way back?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, it's so it's so good, and like he's just it's just the way that he plays it man you can hear it in his voice and like of course a lot of this is powered by that beautiful beautiful uh stop motion animation but it's just the playfulness his line delivery just every part of his performance as this cat (mwah) loved it loved every second
0: good
1: the side eye that this cat continues to (laughs) give throughout this movie the shade Mm -hmm. the attitude the catitude
2: the cat attitude. Uh, love it. Love I it. I love
1: it. It matches and it matches um, Keith David's delivery perfectly. So mm-hmm. I stand the cat in this movie <laughs> above all else. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
3: Wybie's got a cat like you at home.
1: Not the quiet Wybie, the one that talks too much. You must be the other cat.
3: No. I'm not the other anything. I'm me. Um, I can see you don't have button eyes, but if you're the same cat, how can you talk? I just can. Cats don't talk at home. No? Nope. Well, you're clearly the expert on these things. After all, I'm just a big fat wuss Come back, please? I'm sorry I called you that. I really am. How'd you get here? I've been coming here for a while. It's a game we play. She hates cats and tries to keep me out. But she can't, of course. I come and go as I please. The other mother hates cats? Not like any mother I've ever known. What do you mean? She's amazing. You probably think this world is a dream come true. But you're wrong.
2: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, real quick, actually, before we fully hop into the movie. Yeah. Curious, because I don't know if I've actually asked you about this. But, like, what are your feelings on stop on stop motion animation? Because, like, oh I know gosh. some people like it. Some people, it weirds them out. What's it for right. you?
1: It's so funny because actually my very first note is I freaking love stop motion. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> All right. Fair um,
1: Yeah, I've always loved stop motion. It's just there's just so such a magic quality to a movie that has stop motion because it's building off of so many different mediums. Mm -hmm. And I've just I've always loved. I mean, one of my favorite things about movies is the ingenuity and the practicality and the different ways that people use materials and and methods to just create this perfect moment on screen and i feel like that is all encompassed in stop motion it's so much dedication it's so much time Mm. it's so many different people having to combine their talents and say, okay, well, what are we gonna use to make it look like rain? What are we gonna make use to make it look like, like leaves blowing in the wind? And just to know that they're building little sets and making these little characters and having to manipulate and move them so many different times just to get one fluid motion. Mm-hmm. It just makes you appreciate the movie so much more. The movie, I mean, movies with stop motion are just so beautiful. And then you know how much work went into them. And it just makes it even more so, just elevates it. And I completely understand how this can creep people out. I think particularly if you maybe see a stop motion movie as a child, there's a certain jerky kind of eerie quality to it that I can completely see not being some people's bags. I actually mm-hmm. know some people that think stop motion is quite creepy, um, but if you can get past that and really just hone in on the and just like take it all in, I mean, I feel like you can't beat it.
2: Yeah, there's there is something really magical, I think, about knowing that. Every little detail was just painstakingly decided, built, created for this particular movie, like from, like you said, like leaves blowing to a character's hair, the way that eyes move, like everything is planned out. Everything has to be done by hand. The level of artistry, talent, and dedication that that takes is just unreal and It's just hard not to appreciate the amount of work and effort that goes into stop motion, even like not the big stop motions, like little stop motion things that maybe you'll come across on like YouTube or something like that. There's still, I feel like always that air of mysticism around it because Mm -hmm. you just know how much work had to go into it. I think Coraline is one of the best examples of like stop motion animation. I mean, this is coming from Laika Studios who is well known for doing very intricate and big um, stop motion productions. And it's just, this is is like one of the few genres where I feel like I always, always want to watch the behind the scenes because like, I want to see how everything was made. Like I want to see right. how that flower got made. I want to see how you managed to do all of those hand movements in the first opening sequence, which in my notes I did put that this opening sequence is like straight up a fuck it is nightmare fuel for me, because you know how I feel about <laughs> dolls. And just seeing yeah. <laughs> seeing these little needle hands put this doll together is like the worst experience for me. Mm-hmm. But um it's still so beautiful and I still can't help but be impressed with the ingenuity and just how much goes into it. It's it's so
3: good. It's so good. It's,
1: yeah, it's so so good. And like it's also ch- cheaper than CG doing CGI or for animation. And but it's and so it's one of those things where you look at it and you think this could have so easily been CGI mm-hmm. or if this is the kind of look that they wanted. But then you just know that there was so much care and love that had to go into it for them to say, no, we're going to do stop motion. And also because you you have one of the other rights, you can go quicker, but spend more money or you can put more time into it. But come in with have less money put into it, which is what stop motion gives you. Like, I mean, Coraline took four years mm-hmm. to to make be and 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 a lot of that time like i said is just manipulating the scenes before you can even edit them together um so yeah i don't know there's just something about stop motion that just feels so so inventive and and fresh no matter when stop motion comes out I'm still shook every time. Every time. I, I, like, I've seen some, like, not so many, but I've seen many stop motion movies at this point. And still, every time I watch one, I'm like, damn, that's good. Mm-hmm. And also, too, Henry Selick. I mean, mainly what he does is is stop motion, the director of this film. Um, he does owe me compensation because he also directed James and the Giant Peach. That movie gave me
2: nightmares. Yeah, fair. And that was like, that was our go-to movie when I was younger for uh, movie days in like elementary school. I don't know why every class wanted to play James and the Giant Peach. I, <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic movie. But when you're, when you're third, fourth grade, some of them scenes hit different. The, yeah. the terror that, the, that that poor boy is going through in this piece of produce um, shook me as a child
1: don't and the right what was it the rhinos in the clouds or what? Who, <laughs> why would you do that it was too much it was just too much i thought for a child um and especially a child of my delicate nature it was too much for me to take so i am upset with henry for that but other than that i love the other movies that he's done also he is the director of wendell and wild that is going to be coming out very soon which i know we're both very super excited, excited about
2: yeah um yeah and so, knowing that he was at the helm of this, I think a lot of people already knew that this was kind of poised to be a bit of a success, especially because he's sticking to a medium that he's very familiar with. Um, and so, I think go, going into Coraline, I feel like, well, I guess let me let me let me ask instead instead of so just going into it. Like, what what are some of the like first things that come to mind? Um, like when you think of Coraline and like the experience of watching Coraline, like I know you gave us your first note already, but Mm -hmm. just talk to me a little (laughs) bit about your feelings toward the movie in general. Cause you, you've already mentioned, you've watched this several times similar. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, I just always like Coraline to me just always feels like, like a creepy, a creepy, wonderland kind of Mm. tale which Uh i i actually equate Coraline to alice in wonderland a lot because i feel like i feel very similarly about both stories in the sense of i love this i love a story about like a little kid stumbling into this place that feels so special and so different and so magical and then as they as they get deeper and deeper into that world they discover that things are really wrong Mm -hmm. and so Coraline to me always felt like the the divorced cousin of Alice in Wonderland Wonderland. (laughs) because I mean they're different they're different for sure just they give me the same the same feelings the
2: same feelings yeah I feel that uh did you So so for me, this time around, um, something I never really noticed before. I don't know if that's just me or if it's just something I wasn't paying attention to as much before. But the family dynamic in Coraline uh, plays a much bigger role than I remember it. Like, not just the fact that it's her um, going between, like, this other perfect family versus her family. But just, like, what her family is going through and, like, why her parents are the way they are. I think a lot of the times I used to just think that her parents were dicks, but then it's like this time around, I realized like, I mean, they have dickish behavior every once in a while, but it's also like they're broke as hell. Yeah. And they're just trying to survive right now.
1: Yeah. So agreed. (laughs) Agreed. And I just think that's one of those things where I feel like everybody maybe can relate to it, where when you're the, when you're a child watching a child's movie, you simply will always relate to the child because that is what you know. Mm -hmm. And that is what you you say, "Yeah, I get your experience because you are me," kind of a thing. Yeah. And I agree. Now, granted I wasn't a child when I watched Coraline. It came out in 2009. I ain't going yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you what I was, but I wasn't a little. I wasn't Coraline's age. I was mm-hmm. I was older by that point. I mean, I was in high school. And so, I wasn't I I uh, I think when I used to watch it, I I did understand where Coraline was coming from to a certain degree, but I do think every time I've watched it, I have also recognized that Coraline is being a bit stubborn. She is being a bit selfish, but also she's dealing with a a brand new transition in her life. And I think she's just having a really hard time adjusting to that. But I think as I've gotten older, I've also acknowledged that the parents are also having a really hard time adjusting to that. They're both just handling things in a different way. The parents... Although they're having a hard time adjusting, they can't afford to do what Coraline is doing, which is just to kind of like go off and, and do your own thing and, and do whatever you want to try and deal with this. They still yeah. have to make sure that they are taken care of, that this is going to work and that like they're still working. They got into the mom. I've completely every single time that i watch this i forget that they got into like a car accident right after they moved the mom is like in a neck brace Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) for
1: a majority of the movie Mm -hmm. and i'm like not the health not the medical bills right after the move (laughs) on top
2: of everything else (laughs) yeah and
1: and i just think that that's the kind of stuff where i didn't necessarily acknowledge that and and say yeah they are being assholes because you're right they are being dicks to her they're not they're being a little harsh on her considering she's also transitioning but at the same time she's not really allotting them any like room to get the things that they need to get done so that they can Mm -hmm. give her time
2: Yeah, I definitely agreed. Because, like, the neglectful parents motif, we've seen that in a lot of stuff, especially, like, children's-centric movies. But I really enjoy how complex the relationship between all of them actually is. Because, yes, there are moments of dickishness, but when you really look deep into both Mel and Charlie, you can tell that they do truly love Coraline. Mm -hmm. And, like yes they are stressed out about their financial situation trying to get this gardening catalog settled and like make money so that they can actually provide the life for Coraline that they want to like you see that these things are affecting them very very much for the entire movie um but there are still these moments these like little blips within the story where you see the love that they have for their child and you see them trying to reach out and connect while simultaneously still dealing with these adult problems that they don't really want to plague Coraline with. Like they never reveal these things to Coraline in like a super direct way of like, look, shut up. We don't have any Mm -hmm. money. I need to write this so that you have food to eat, but they will be like, Hey, I need to work right now. And then you'll see a scene later that they have nothing in the refrigerator. And then you, you piece two and two together. You're like, Oh, they need money like Mm -hmm. really really bad and that is one of the leading causes for why they seem like these neglectful parents and like you said when you're younger watching this and especially if you've lived through something similar it's very easy to just take up the the pov of Coraline and side with like her feelings of like you're just trying to be a kid you're just trying to enjoy life have adventure enjoy this new situation but your family doesn't seem to be on the same wavelength as you. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, when you go to this brand new mystical world where everything is what you want it to be, your parents always pay attention to you, everything's an adventure, everything's a journey, everything's brand new, you understand the appeal of like how someone can get pulled into this world and like why Coraline wants to continue to go back and forth. I just really enjoy the fact that although things Seem a different, seem a specific way based on how you're looking at this story. If you really look at all of these people as people, you see that there's a lot going on behind the surface. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot that's moving these characters forward in their decisions and the way that they act, and that's a level of co- of complexity that is, I think, not necessarily often seen in children's movies. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I really, what I really appreciate about what they've done here and what this story is showing. Now, granted, I have never read the book. Um, Mm -hmm. I do know like a couple of things. I I know the biggest difference is, A, that they're in America in this book, and I'm pretty sure the original is a British family, and also, to YB is a character that has completely been added specifically for the movie. I do know those mm-hmm. two changes um, were made. But what I do appreciate in the story is that, yes, the parents are being fairly harsh in the beginning and they are snapping as parents do. Like I've seen parents who have had those moments where they've kind of snapped at their kids, but I feel like the way that they handle it feels very realistic in the sense of once they're both not working and they're like moving past that they are like trying to give her back that attention but it's like almost okay well now I'm mad at you like now Coraline is mad at them for what they did earlier and now Mm -hmm. that they are not it's like it's reversed now that they have the time to kind of give to her she doesn't Want that time because she's still upset at how they treated her previously. And I like when they show kind of that shift in, because I think the dad, he's pretty consistent. He's like a coo, you can tell he's like a goofy dad and he does these things, but he's just like really locked in right now. The mom, I think, is a little bit shown, is shown, I think, more as like the disciplinary in the beginning, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a little bit more of like what Coraline would see as the as the like taskmaster and so I think one of my one of the moments in this movie that feels so real to me is when Coraline wants the gloves and her mom doesn't mm-hmm. get them. And then Coraline says like, well, my other mother would get them for me. And the mom's like, well, maybe she should buy all your clothes. Like I was like, I had <laughs> I had an exact moment like that with my mom. I remember having <laughs> a moment like that with my mom when I was younger, where I said some smart ass comment, like, well, blah, blah, blah would do it. And she'd be like, well, maybe you should ask blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, that just feels super real to me. So
2: real, yeah.
1: And I love those moments because I do really think that that hones in on the dynamic of like, Coraline is really going on a journey in this movie. I mean, she really, she, like everybody kind of, I think both Coraline and her parents have lessons to learn in this movie, but more so Coraline because she is really like the helm of this story. And so, and she's really the one who has to realize like she kind of has everything that she needs um mm-hmm. if she's just willing to accept these changes and and just be a little bit more patient with her parents she kind of already has all the stuff that she needs but yeah i also do think i also do like those moments because i do think it like kind of what you said it humanizes the parents in the sense of you really can kind of see that they that I feel like you can really see that moment in the mom where she's like I'm trying. Like I'm I'm trying. Yeah, I don't know I, what I you am... want me to do. <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah.
2: Like and you can see a lot of those things in I think the little details too. Like even in that scene where they're going to go get the clothes get the uniform and the gloves, like if you notice on the windows like everything is like for sale or mm-hmm. like half off and like you can tell that the mall like Mel went here because things are going to be cheaper. Like she, like she chose this place. Cause she's trying to save money. And even with like the, the back and forth with them, another line that just stood out to me so much this time around was like, I, I think it was back when they got home from that, um, from shopping, and I think uh, Mel is trying to kind of ease the tension with Coraline mm-hmm. and is just saying, like, hey, you know, if things go well today, I'll make it up to you. And Coraline just responds with, you know, you always say that. And right. just like that line cut so deep this time around because in that moment, you like, as, as now an adult, I can understand where the mom is coming from. And I know that that line, she meant it. It, it was mm-hmm. on. She was like, look, just can't do it right now but when i can i will do it for you but a child doesn't always see that and a child can't really necessarily absorb that information and sometimes they're just going to be hurt and you just kind of have to deal with it
3: put them back but mom the whole school is going to wear boring gray clothes no one will have these put them back my other mother would get them Maybe she should buy all your clothes. So what do you think's in the other apartment? I don't know. Not a family of Jones imposters. Then why'd you lock the door? Oh, I found some rat crap and I thought you'd feel safer. They're jumping mice, Mom. And the dreams aren't dangerous. They're the most fun I've had since we've moved here. Your school might be fun. With those stupid uniforms? Right. Had to give it a try. How do you feel about a mustard, ketchup, salsa wrap for lunch? Are you kidding me? Mm. Had to go food shopping anyway dad's planning something special disgusting you want to come along you can pick out something you like oh like the gloves look caroline if things go well
1: today i promise i'll make it up that's what you always say
2: and it's just like it's it 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 it, it hurts you know it hurts to <laughs> see that happen And the thing I think that is very easy to forget is like, when we jump into this story, at least for the parents, we are jumping it at a very pivotal point in their life, Mm -hmm. it seems, because it's like, whatever this cell of this catalog is, it seems like their entire (laughs) livelihood revolves around this thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Also, speaking of which, when when we jump in with the parents, I made a note, I was like, this dad's posture, that's me. That's, <laughs> That's me, I'm me like,
0: all the, the time.
1: The long neck, the hunchback, the hunchback <laughs> of, of Colorado, and all. <laughs> like I was like, dang. I hate to say it, but I feel like what Coraline saw from behind her dad is probably why Anthony sees when he walks in my office, <laughs> and I'm like editing. <laughs> it's like man, let me let me go ahead and exit
2: sometimes the work's <laughs> gotta get done whatever so way sorry. whatever way it has to be done you know
1: yeah sometimes you're like kissing the monitor by the time you're <laughs> done you're like let me back up right. but but uh, yeah but also to give Coraline like I said she is also going through a uh we jump in with her also moving from everything she's ever known Mm -hmm. to a place that she has never been. Not only that, but she's moving into what's the the Pink Palace, which is like this apartment complex, no kids. That's one of the things that YB says that he's actually surprised that they're living there because his grandmother normally doesn't let kids live there. Mm -hmm. And so she's moving in with like a bunch of very eccentric adults. Um, that she's not used to. And the only person that she really is around her age is YB, who she feels like she just doesn't have anything in common with, which, okay, Coraline didn't have to eviscerate this man like this.
2: True. And call
1: him, why were you born? (laughs) Like, hold the phone, Coraline. That was a bit... Harsh. Like
2: <laughs> Yo, Corline, she got she got some smoke. She got some smoke. I I will say though, I put in my notes that I feel like all the best childhood friendships usually start off as frenemies, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like Yeah. <laughs>
2: You can can tell like she she doesn't like YV when when she first meets him. But I think because he's the only person remotely around her age or like similar to her, Mm -hmm. she can't help but feel at least connected to this person, you know?
1: yeah it's the frenemies to lovers pipeline that i think that they're potentially on but yeah i, I you're right I, it's like this is the only person that really she can maybe connect with in some way and although she obviously doesn't love running into him you can also tell that when she does she's not gonna she's still like makes conversation and kind of like gets led into these these moments with him and and he'll do stuff that'll make her laugh and and you can Mm -hmm. see that they there's like really this push and pull where they both have that because YB even has that a little bit later when he thinks that she's crazy and he's like yeah. bitch
2: Which, fair <laughs> I'm gonna <enough.
0: laughs> go I'm gonna go
1: right now
2: he's like I just came here for a doll you're yeah. saying some real like you need to go to the loony house stuff right now yeah
1: and you're talking like you about to hack me up into many pieces <laughs> so I'm gonna go but yeah there's like an there's a, they have a nice push and pull relationship that I actually think leads to what feels like an authentic conclusion with them by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, for Coraline I think we see this girl who is pretty spunky, pretty outspoken, um yeah. really likes to do her own thing and
2: She's also in that transition from like kid to young adult now, yeah. so she's gaining her independence, wanting to do more things, get mm-hmm. out more.
1: She's a preteen. She's a little a little witchy preteen because what does she <laughs> say she's what is that a uh, rod oh, and...
2: like teeny witchy i i can't remember oh that song Ooh.
1: that her that weird song yeah. that her dad sings yeah
2: we'll we'll pop it in there somewhere <laughs> maybe
1: yeah it's some witchy witchy something oh my twitchy witchy
3: girl i think you are so nice i give you bowls of porridge and i give you bowls of ice cream
1: I give you lots of kisses I give you lots of hugs but I never gave you sandwiches with greasy and worms and mum <clears throat> Um but yeah she's she's in a in a her normal environment has been upended she's about to go to school with a bunch of kids she's never like school hasn't even started yet so really she hasn't met anyone yet and as far from her perspective she's not getting any attention she's not getting any love her parents are completely shutting her out in a space where she's like well if i don't if i'm not with you guys where am i supposed to go like who am i supposed to hang out with who am i supposed to talk to what am i supposed to do nobody is listening to me kind of a thing. And that's really hard when you're a kid. you feel like nobody is hearing you or listening to what you're trying to say? And I think we see that for a lot of this beginning, especially when she starts going into the other world and even comes back and tries to tell her parents what happened. They're pretty dismissive because they think she's just telling them about their dreams mm-hmm. or about about her dreams. And so, yeah, when you go to this other world. Everything's about you. Everything is about you and what you want and what you think is fun and what you want to eat. And it's so colorful, like in comparison, the colors are so
2: vibrant. Yeah, so crazy.
1: It's so warm and welcoming on the other side where Coraline's reality is dreary and gray and just cold and boring and then you get to the other world and it's like warm and bright and and fun and energetic and also too if i got there and someone played me a banging song like (laughs) uh like other dad played her Mm -hmm. i would want to stay too that was i love that i love that song
2: yeah that's a good one and that meal uh, honestly, oh. most of the meals served in the other in the other home looked mighty tasty. Dude,
1: that shit looked slamming.
2: I would have at least stayed for dinner. Like, even even somebody as cautious as myself, had I come up into another alternate reality home, if they put a plate of that in front of me, I wouldn't ask too many questions until after the meal was complete. Uh,
1: absolutely not. I wouldn't ask a single. I would have been looking the plate clean. <laughs> and they would have been like you got
2: smoothies coming from the ceiling. Hello?
1: Well, she says a mango milkshake, which that's a smoothie. Coraline, <laughs> that's a smoothie. Let's go ahead and call it what it is. Um, but yeah, they've got all kinds of I mean, this food, this every bit of food that they give her looks delightful. And you know what? Honestly, give me a full pan, a big ziti. <laughs> i might let you sew those buttons on i don't know i don't know i might have let i might have let the other mom sew those buttons <laughs> if i could be eating a whole pan of baked cd while she was doing it
0: <laughs>
2: hey you <laughs> no, know what, i me, wouldn't what judge food? i would not judge i would what not judge what
1: food would you let the other mother sew buttons on for you oh. what's, what you know you have one what's the food
2: Honestly, it's it's a little niche, but it's gonna be some like Jamaican food, some like Mm. oxtail or like ackee and saltfish or something like that. Like if I go out there and I get a bomb Jamaican spread, yeah, man, who has been deprived of good Jamaican food for almost a decade now, outside of when I go visit home, um, I'm staying. I'm getting a room. I'm
1: yeah i am getting I'm moving I'll buy, in. I'll
2: buy new clothes. It's cool, right? Uh, you don't even
1: gotta maybe clothes. Honestly, same. Give me a full platter of like some beef patties. Ooh. ooh, ooh or like empanadas or something like that, bro. Give me the Chartreuse buttons. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead.
2: I go. I go with a turquoise myself. Yeah. Bro.
1: <laughs> y'all, y'all got these in yellow because that pops against my skin. Go ahead and give me the buttons. <laughs>
2: Uh, but I mean, we're already talking about it, so I guess let's continue to dive into the other world after yeah. Coraline finds the portal and is now experiencing her second home. Um, like you, like we already said, everything is vibrant, everything is beautiful. It's all tailored for Coraline. It's all part of the master plan to keep her there forever. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a good sell. It's a good sell, and honestly despite the fact that i know it's the dangerous area i think a lot of my favorite parts are in the other are in the other home because a lot of the the wonders i think as the other mom calls it i think are fabulous they're Mm -hmm. some of my favorite moments um the 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 mouse circus the the opera uh acrobat
1: scene Um, the dogs
2: (laughs) the honestly even the garden scene is great like i yeah I feel like all of the magic that gets added to these, what Coraline views as mundane people is very, it's it's such cool variants because you get to see them as like their regular selves. Mm -hmm. You get to see them as their magical, whimsical selves. And then later on in the third half, you get to see them as their creepy, like Mm -hmm. true decrepit selves. And I think getting to see these different, variations on all these people is one of the best parts of Coraline and like some of the most fun
1: yeah because yeah it even her neighbors they're the best versions of themselves in the other world because that's what Coraline wants it's like Mr. Babinski it's in the real world he's hyping up this mouse circus thing that
2: may or may not exist may Uh.
1: probably is not as if it does (laughs) exist it is not as hype as my man is making it seem it is Mm -hmm. probably a mouse running for some cheese (laughs) and maybe standing on its on its like back legs or something but Mm -hmm. yeah he's like hyping this up in in to him or to Coraline, he's her weird upstairs neighbor but then in the in the other world he is, like, it's a full circus. I mean, he does a full-on performance. The two sisters that live next to like, her or yeah, below her. I think it's
2: in, the, like, the downstairs. Yeah.
1: Um, Miriam in and, and April are... I mean, nice enough to Coraline, like she probably talks to them the most, has like most interactions with them in the real world. I really like two of them, by the way. They may be my favorite of of the neighbors. I like the two of them. But then even they, because she sees that poster of them performing when they were young. And so, and it's very clear that they're maybe still like trying to live within those glory days. And so, yeah, in the other world, that how she sees them. She gets to see them performing at their like peak performance and, mm-hmm. and doing their full show. And it's it's amazing. Um, my one of my favorite moments is like when when they're singing and is it I think it's Miriam who comes on and is like basically naked. Mm-hmm because you get the first sister and Coraline, Coraline's like she's almost naked Just naked. and then the next sister comes <laughs> out she's comes actually wearing pasties <laughs> and like, like a see-through like see almost With her flowing, see-through underwear
2: flowing mermaid hair <laughs> yeah. and everything it's so
1: yeah, it's like wrapped around her because she's supposed to look like um venus hmm the goddess but it's oh my god it makes me laugh every time because yeah. just Coraline's reaction to it she shook
2: shook and then the full auditorium full of, <laughs> dogs. of shepherd dogs just all watching <laughs> yeah. wait what kind of dogs are those are those there's a there's a specific kind are they uh, not
1: schnau not schnauzers
2: are they like it's not sheep dogs right they're
1: no no they're like Scottish Terriers, but in the, of course, in the other world, there's like a hundred of them, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: whereas
1: what they probably have like I don't know like five of them five that are they alive have a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah that
1: are alive in the real world and then and then the rest of them They're, that they
2: have the passed wall on. Of stuffed dogs,
1: yeah, the in memory wall <laughs> that is full of their yeah, like taxidermy dogs all wearing wings,
2: mm mm-hmm. and I What's funny to me is, like, all of these characters are very clearly eccentric, right? And they're heightened and over the top. But I feel like a majority of people out there have met or at least, like, seen people similar to Mm -hmm. these people in some way. Like, I have met the old lady with the 100-year-old candy that just wants to sit and have tea, you know? Like, you've met you've met that like once upon a time athlete or like gymnast who's like still living in their glory days of of so and so and so and Mm -hmm. like it's like these people although strange and kooky all still stem from i think real personalities that a lot of us are familiar with Mm -hmm. and for me that adds to the charm of all the characters because although even like i think bobinski is a great example of like as a character, he should feel so much creepier than he is just based on like the way he looks and like kind of the things that he's doing and like the story around him. But he's always so gentle yeah. when he's on screen, you know, like there's no there's no real like scary factor to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that I think that's another element that I like about the real world in Coraline is I think that there is a way that this story could have gone where you see this girl who thinks, oh, my God, my real life is so boring. And then we go to this other world where everything's so vibrant and fun and energetic that you could almost see where they would make every single character that she encounters in the real world dull. But they're mm-hmm. not. Each character that she encounters in the real world is also really different Mm and and have these these very specific quirks to them that make them that would make it where if Coraline spent her time with them she would have some pretty interesting days but I think what and even when they go into town there's a lot of strange characters in town like I love Mm -hmm. the the thing with the dad where like that guy jumps up on the (laughs) <laughs> on the mailbox and he's like singing and the dad turns around he's like oh.
0: ah yeah. <laughs> like
1: you know, and even when they're in the in the clothing store there's those kids that are like running around and sword fighting there's a mm-hmm. lot of fun in Coraline's yeah. world i think it's just that she's not ready to accept that fun she's still like really resisting Mm, This new mm -hmm. environment so much so that she's like blocking herself off to what's happening in her life because she's like so convinced that everything is is Boring in this new place that she's not even willing to like open herself up to new experiences and Mm -hmm. so But then you get to this other world and that's where she's like, yeah, everything's so great but in all honesty Obviously, they're doing these crazy things that they could never do in reality. Like these sisters are not going to be able to jump from the ceiling into a small bucket of water and survive. Like that stuff obviously is specific. But they're still the same people. In Mm -hmm. the other world, at least inherently, their personalities are the same. And so it's just always so interesting to me that Coraline is willing to accept things. I think it's really just because of her family. I think she's willing to accept those things because her other parents are kind of laying them out for her as these fun, amazing things. Where in the real world, like anytime she kind of interacts with people, it's always kind of preface to her in a very mundane way like even the mom is like oh you could go hang out with the girls like the sisters downstairs or like oh i think the guy upstairs is a drunk like everything is so negative
2: that i feel like
1: that's how she sees it as well
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i I definitely think it influences her point of view of her situation Mm -hmm. and yeah definitely draws her more to the other world And now, granted, after a lot of whimsy, a lot of fun, um, we get um, a a dark omen in the form of Cat David uh, letting (laughs) us know that uh, not all is as it seems Mm -hmm. and that other mom is actually up to no good. And I, oh, one thing I will mention, this is kind of like. For both of these but one thing i love the transitions in this movie i think there mm-hmm. are some phenomenal phenomenal like imagery transitions um there was like one uh let me see which one i wrote down there was like one fabulous one where it's like it's at her at dinner she's at the kitchen table and like she like leans backwards yeah and then it lands her in bed i'm just like yo that is so yeah
1: cool. that one's uh, super cool
2: yeah it's fucking there there there's so much dope imagery in this we'd spend 3 hours talking mm-hmm. about all of it i think the transition from like all things are awesome everything is cool um to things get dark and brooding um is very seamless and i do think that having it be like oh she's become far more fed up with her real life and is now just using this place as a full-on version of escapism that when she gets there and then the decision is placed upon her to literally (laughs) sew buttons onto her eyes and live here forever where she's like whoa 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 Right, hold on here (laughs) i didn't know that there was going to be these kinds of um these kinds of consequences for my time here yeah um I thought that was a very smart way to kind of plunge us into the darker side of the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. And there's some great, also, random thought, also, is I love the music in this movie. Oh, I forgot to say that. The music is so
2: good. good.
1: Particularly that one where my favorite is it plays when she's mainly at the beginning, like when she's exploring and it's like the, Mm the I don't know. I'll, mm-hmm. maybe I'll put it in
0: here. I'll cut
1: that out. <laughs> no, but, I know. I know you exactly what you're talking out. about.
2: Yeah, like my second note. It literally is. I love this movie yeah. soundtrack so much.
1: Yeah, there's just like a really nice childlike quality to all of the songs that makes things feel really light and airy, and and gives it. I think a lot of the music gives it the fun, like gives it that feeling of of like oh everything is fine but then there's always like a little bit of an underlying eeriness to some of the songs Mm -hmm. where you're like yeah everything's okay but this is also this could be creepy depending on the situation and i Mm -hmm. love that i love the music in this this and they
2: do they do that very well honestly in the other world as well Mm -hmm. like it's like i think during the dinner scene too is like when you've seen this movie you know where it goes and like you re-watch that dinner scene and like listen to the way that it sounds something is off Yeah, like the music is whimsical and it is like happy it's magical but there is something eerie about it there is something that's like something is off about this but you don't pay attention because of the gravy train
1: right and there's also so much And I would say maybe in her normal world, a lot of that music feels very like soft in comparison Mm. to in the other world where it it almost feels like literally night and day because everything that takes place in the other world is always at night. But there's Mm -hmm. like this electricity to that music there. It's always fast paced when she's like Mm -hmm. out having fun and doing stuff. There's all this fast paced except for when she's with when she's like in the house with the other mother and the and the other dad it's like it's a little it like kind of slows down a little bit and then yeah it leads into that final moment where she's like well but what about these buttons though and then mm-hmm. yeah things really take a turn but I like all of the lead up to that because there's always something off about the other world that I think even Coraline can kind of pick up on but just doesn't care like it's it's yeah. so good that she's like whatever because there's okay well first of all there's that one doll that what does he say to her he's like
3: let me hug your face yeah
1: but he's also like <laughs> hey baby or he said some yeah. weird shit to what, her originally what
2: was that fucking octopus <laughs> i have no idea
1: i have no idea but i was like you need to leave the room <laughs> you are not allowed to be in here while she's sleeping thank you so much um but yeah it's like they kind of always come in and watch her sleep and then i think always for me the the weirdest moment is when you meet yb other yb and it's like oh yeah we know you don't like you think he talks too much so here he can't talk and there's just something very strange about that, but I also... Yeah,
2: it was was like the way she said it, though. She's like, I fixed him. Yeah, I fixed
1: him. It's like, girl, what? And then (laughs) I noticed it for the first time today that Coraline asks him when they're going to the show, she asks Mm -hmm. him, like, did it hurt when she did that to you? But before he can really do anything, the show starts. And so, like, her question never gets answered. And Uh... I just feel like it's like this... Her first indication of like, that's weird, that's strange. And like, obviously, everybody there is under the mother's control. Nobody is Mm -hmm. wanting to do these things. And I just thought it was so interesting because had it not been interrupted, I do wonder if YB would have like said, well, not said, but kind of maybe said like, let her know yes or no.
2: Kind of hinted yeah, or something like that. Yeah,
1: but I feel like from that moment on is when things start to get really, really strange because that's just a a weird thing to do. And then, yeah, from then on, the mother is really overbearing in the sense of she's always acting like, oh, yeah, those are your old parents. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, those, are, uh, <laughs> those are the, that's <laughs> the outdated model. Now. Yeah, those are the mm-hmm. parents. That's the like the parents pro eight. But we're the we're the eleven. So like we're the
2: eleven. Yeah.
1: Come in, hang out with us. She's always really trying to kind of sway Coraline like Cor- and- Yeah. And like sway Coraline to think, oh no, we're the real parents. Like those are just we're we're the parents you're meant to be with. They were just the parents you were supposed to be with for a little while. Like it always mm-hmm. feels like that.
2: Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And then I think, too, the moment that the the decision gets presented, Coraline's like, nah, I'm good. And then we do the, the typical go to sleep and try and wake up back in reality. And that doesn't happen. I think that is definitely a big tonal change for everyone. And just like, oh, OK, things are no longer good. Mm-hmm. Like something is off here. And then even when after that she's going around and that's our... I guess our first time really getting to see her move and interact with things without the other mom around. And that's when you really get to see all the little chinks in the armor and you get to see the little pieces that don't add up. Cause like Mm -hmm. even the dad is like not the same dad that (laughs) she saw at dinner that night. Like the entire world is just different. Like the whole mood and vibe, it's, it's almost like the show is over and everyone is now like back to their regular selves you yes. know
1: yeah they don't have to put the facade up anymore they've mm-hmm. as far as they're concerned
2: like they, they clocked out like their shift her. was their shift was up until she right. fell asleep and then they were off the clock
1: yeah because some other mother said nobody gets overtime not here <laughs> so she's here she's stuck here now and yeah, because it's it's really like breadcrumbs, it feels like. Up until a certain point, it feels like there's a moment where Coraline has to make the decision herself to really go there on her own. And then when mm-hmm. she does, when she chooses to go there during the day, it's like everything changes. The mother's like, oh, we got her. We yeah. She wants to be here. And then after that, it's not really a... Like, Coraline's made her decision. And so it's like, she can't just go back when she goes to sleep anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, she has to go back. And uh, the other dad, he makes Aww. me so sad.
3: He yeah. makes
1: me so sad. I don't know. I like the dad and here. I love the dad in this movie. I just feel like something about him.
2: Well, I just, just want to give him a hug. <laughs> Watching him kind of like unravel and deteriorate over time just sucks because yeah. like you can tell that the one malicious force in this world is other mom. Yeah, like everything else is crafted to just m- match this facade. But like the dad is her dad. Like mm-hmm. she made her dad. Um, and she made a fun version of her dad. But this is a fun version of her dad that has to bend to every will and want of what the mom is doing. Same with Wybie is like, this is still her friend mm-hmm. that got crafted, but her friend that got crafted who can't speak and can't really assist and talk about tragic characters. Another one, I every time seeing that scene when she goes back and just sees other Wybie's clothes floating in the wind and like, you don't see what happens to them, but you know, you it's know.
0: It's like, what? <laughs>
1: Man's clothes up like a flag, a YB flag. And yeah, it's just, and they're like stuck together. It's almost like he got sewed into a, a YB suit and mm-hmm. now that's gone, but they're like, ah, we'll hang the suit up. Cause we see that YB, we learn with YB that there are punishments when you mm-hmm. step out of line because he kind he's upset about what's going to happen to Coraline and he frowns and he gets mm-hmm. punished for that he helps Coraline escape and he gets punished for that now i assume that he just kind of turned to dust because we can yeah. see that that's what's happening to him when mm-hmm. he helps her but uh yeah it's weird that they hug his clothes up uh like a as a
2: trophy <laughs>
1: yeah like a weird little like celebration of of
2: it felt it felt like the kids' horror version of putting someone's head on a spike, yes. like straight up, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like straight up.
1: Yes, basically.
2: Presenting this man's corpse to the world, I'm like, okay, that's when you know other mom is a little messed up.
1: Yeah, and Coraline's like, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, um, she says she's like, "You ugly witch, are you, you ugly witch? witch? <laughs> Look, Coraline's." Ready to knuck and buck at every every <laughs> moment. She's been about it and she will always be about it because she really is quite quite a fearless girl. I do love that we do see her defeated. I think when she realizes that her parents are have been taken.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's the first time that we really see like Coraline defeated in this movie, yeah. which I think is is necessary because at the end of the day she is still like a little kid.
2: Yeah, but... she's just a little kid. Oh, that scene when she's like with her pillow parents trying to sleep and crying, <laughs> oh, right in the heartstrings, <laughs> man. Pillow
1: parents, yeah. Um, but yeah, other dad. He just it always gets to me when he's like attacking her later and he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, because I think you really can see that you're right. A lot of these people have been crafted to follow specifically for Coraline. And you can tell that a lot of them want to help her. And And then we also, of course, get the ghost kids, which if anything, I feel like this would be the moment in the movie, if I had seen this as a little kid, I think this would have been the moment in the movie that really would have scared me, seeing like little kids be dead.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Would have probably
1: freaked me out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, knowing that that is like the future that may or may not wait Coraline, like that's when things get really grim Yeah, in that moment. You're like, oh, that's what she's doing. Like, that's the end goal of this yikes like yeah. big yikes like
1: uh-oh and it's scary too because you can see that they're still even in death they're terrified of her mm-hmm. like she's obviously still terrorizing them in some capacity i mean they're horrified when coraline gets in there they're like huddled under a blanket mm-hmm. in the corner as trying to get as small as possible and they've just been trapped there and is it also
2: implied that she eats them too like
1: yeah yeah so it's like this i've always been a little bit uh, iffy on because i'm Mm -hmm. never really sure it feels like so she gets them she sews the buttons on their eyes Mm -hmm. and then it seems like maybe for a little bit she's okay and then it seems like she the way that they say it in the movie, which they might say this because they don't want it to be like too scary for kids. Because the way that they say it in the movie, it's implied that they like that she locked them in there until they died and then she ate their soul. Uh, mm. is like the way that they explain it in the movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However, later on in the movie, it kind of seemed like she was ready to chomp, yeah on Coraline, put some hot sauce on her and eat her in that web i
2: I think she's out here eating kids like straight up i think she's out here eating kids and i almost think that the uh the the sewing of the buttons on the eyes maybe we see this a bit with other yb is like once that happens you're no longer able to exit this world like now you are trapped in this world there's no leaving here
1: yes which is why i think she tries so hard to get the buttons on their eyes but see the only reason i the only reason i think she doesn't eat them is because what it seems like to me is that and from the way that they play it with Coraline, is i do think that she is trying to find a daughter like someone so she's not alone so what i think it is is that yes she keeps these kids but then i think as Because really, she's only keeping the facade up just to keep them there. I think probably once the facade gets dropped, the kids probably want to leave. She probably does what she did to Coraline and says, go in there, stay in there until you are better like like you know until you're ready to listen or whatever and then it feels like she probably just leaves them in there and then they die because obviously they're not gonna listen they're mm-hmm. scared now the only reason Coraline got out is because YB got her out right I almost feel like maybe she would have just left her in there
2: yeah just kind of for good that's a that's a that's a smooth possibility I yeah, think
1: yeah I think um, that's what it is and then she's like okay well shit that kid died let me get a new one like mm-hmm. that's what it feels like
2: like whatever, I mean, whatever the case is, it does seem like, and she's she even says it at the end where she's like, I will die without you here. Like she need like these kids do serve as her life force in some way of mm-hmm. sustaining herself in this world. So she does need them there. And whatever she's doing to these kids is messed up because they are dead. So.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> they are um,
2: ghosts. They are mm-hmm. in fact ghosts. So whatever it is, it's not good. You don't want it to happen to Coraline. Um, and so, moving into the kind of like third act. And when she's fighting back and playing this, this, uh, adventure game against the, uh, the Beldum, I believe is what she's now the, referred to as.
1: She is the Beldum. Yeah. Which is, which means a malicious and ugly woman, especially an old one.
2: Hmm. Okay. Well, at this point, she showed her true colors. We've seen her for what she truly is. And mm-hmm. uh, again, thanks to some intervention from Cat David, uh, she knows now that the best way to solve the situation is to challenge her to a to a game of wits and mm-hmm. to come out on top. And I will say again, I kind of said it earlier, but I love the way that this movie is split. I love that we go from reality to whimsy to this creepy, dark, kind of like burden-esque world. Um, And so that third portion I really enjoyed. But how did you feel about it?
1: Yeah, so we're in full horror territory once we reach the third portion because the the jig is up. The grand plan has been revealed. And now it's Coraline choosing to go back into this like Oh, this basically horror house that mm-hmm. has been made for her. And oh, and also one other detail that I love is that once the facade has has been dropped, I love that the tunnel is like a an actual like dirt tunnel with shit stuck in it. And Mm -hmm. it's lost that like purple vortex glow. Yeah, now it's literally just looks like a tunnel that you have to crawl through the earth Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get (laughs) to get through. Um, But yeah, no, I love this ending bit. I also think that this part is pretty creepy because yeah, she basically has tasks that she has to complete to get each kid's eyes. And I like each of the tasks. I think mm-hmm. that they are equally creepy and I like what you said earlier how it's like each person you get to see their true form mm-hmm. and kind of what they really are and also to I love I think that the two sisters is Mm -hmm. is my favorite one because i just think that that's really creepy how they're like in the candy wrapper and they come out and they're like stuck together like together yeah yeah and i also love the the
2: creativity of that also just a shout out again i mean it's stop motion so you you do see this kind of stuff a lot but like the ingenuity to just come up with that like i wish i had that level of creativity to design something like that mm-hmm. um for these two characters of like we introduce these different elements of them and then here they all are personified in this just candy sludge Laffy of taffy. a collective of humans yeah. yeah it's it's so cool just the way that some other people's brains work i'm yeah. always mesmerized by that
1: it's super cool and even to the um how bobinski is invisible like that's that's cool as well and or he's just like he's a suit of rats
2: right yeah yeah or Or he looks
1: invisible yeah at first it seems like he's invisible because you can't see his suit is just moving and then yeah you realize he's being controlled by the rats um i also like the bat dogs
2: the bat dogs yes bat dog Bad, bad dog. dog. <laughs> don't do the, don't 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 Alone dog. in
1: the world with a little bad dog. Yeah, <laughs> I like those as well. Um, also, <laughs> the way that Coraline alley-oops the cat into Bruh. the other mother's face <laughs>
2: Bruh.
1: without Bruh. the cat's consent <laughs> had me dead.
2: Hey, hey, at least she apologized. <laughs> now that part gets, has me weak every single time. But the way Coraline just yeets Keith David as her master player. <laughs>
1: And Cat David is like howling through the air because he obviously was like, what? This was not the plan. And then the way that he lands on her face and just immediately starts scratching because he doesn't know what else to do. I mean, Coraline, if that had not gone to plan, you would have gotten him killed.
2: Yeah, straight
1: up. You really could have gotten that cat killed and he came there to help you he didn't come that's why as soon as i like how once Coraline fell down into the web he said girl bye
2: (laughs) deuces i'm out
1: god like god bless and god best but i gotta
2: get out (laughs) this door
1: because you already almost killed me
2: That part is so so good, man.
1: Funny, it's Uh, so funny. I forgot that that's how she gets out of that every time, and it made me laugh so hard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But but I mean, even that aside, though, that last sequence against the other or the beldam is also very cool. Um, I like that we finally see her in her like Mm -hmm. final form and the whole like spider's web and just the way that everything looks. I I really appreciate it. And I think that it's a nice conclusion to the creepy journey that we just went on.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I love like the house crumbling around Mm -hmm. her is also really effective. It looks super cool, especially when she first walks into the house and it's slowly crumb like the wallpaper is just kind of flying up and Mm. unraveling. Oh my god. I that it looks it looks insane. It's so cool. It's
2: it's so beautiful. But Um, the
1: movie doesn't end there.
2: It doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) And I was kinda curious about this too, because this is one of those like you think the movie's over, but there's a little bit more and we've had divisive feelings about that sometimes. How did it work for you for this one?
1: I mean, I'm actually I actually like the ending that we get. I don't mind for this one that it keeps going because I do like the, I do like that real world YB is able to come and kind of assist her and that really solidifies their friendship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it does make sense that just because you close the door doesn't mean that that's the end of things Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i wouldn't have been upset if we had just ended it there if if it was like okay the door's closed it's locked beep boop we're done like i honestly wouldn't have been upset and honestly i didn't even remember that that's not where it ended when it kept going i was like huh yeah yeah i forgot Mm -hmm. about this
2: yeah same same.
1: (laughs) but i don't dislike it i i actually think that it makes sense that she has to do something with the key. I, I, they. It makes sense that they bring the well back because we yeah, already. Yeah, because we spent a lot of
2: time on that mm-hmm. well to not use it for anything. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm like, thank you for bringing back the well. It was, it was necessary, I think, to kind of put a pin in that story, and also too, I think it feels really definitive to say like, okay, now the key is gone, and um we're moving on and also too i do think it's sweet that because obviously we do see so yb's grandmother's sister was a victim to Mm -hmm. the other mother and obviously we meet her in ghost form i do think it's sweet that it's like we're gonna try and kind of close that chapter for her and i also do like that we get to see Coraline has accepted everybody and it seems like they're really making this like a new home um -hmm. and we also see that her parents are putting in a lot of effort they seem like they're all getting along really well so i do think that that is a very sweet ending um so yeah i i I don't mind it i wouldn't have been upset if they had ended it where they where they did but after going through the last like 10 minutes i was like yeah you do kind of need all of that to like really close all of those thread lines that you had started
2: yeah I, I agree with you i I definitely think that normally this sort of thing would bug me but I think here it was done very purposefully and yeah it closes up a lot of loose ends that are still there that you I don't think most people would have been a, upset if we never closed those those threads but because the movie does take the time to go back and make sure that we really do button this thing off and give it a solid definitive ending i'm okay with it and i agree i think that last moment of connection between Coraline and yb is one that we have been working towards for the entire movie and so without that i do think the experience may have felt a little bit incomplete there so Mm -hmm. okay with it this time you get away with it Coraline. it works here
1: also too um we find out that cat david is magic
2: is a magic cat yeah apparently
1: magical cat i mean it makes sense
2: this it was a a talking cat that could walk through dimensions i think that's on us for not
1: right fully right but
2: grasping that he may have been magical in some sense but he
1: had he has he had like spun it in a way where oh i can only talk because i came into the dimension um Mm -hmm. but Now my man seems to be like the protector of the pink palace um, (laughs) and was probably there specifically to ensure that no other kid fell to the same fate as as the previous inhabitants had. I do have a question. I one thing I was confused about. So when YB comes back and saves Coraline, and he's like, "Oh, I, mm-hmm. I believe you now because my grandmother showed me a picture of her sister." Why? Mm-hmm. Why does that make him believe her? Did I miss something?
2: Um, I have to go back and look. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's got to be in reference to something that
0: Coraline, Coraline
2: said. said about her sister right. that must have been um justified by the photograph that's that's what i think mm-hmm. i'd have to double check that one um, maybe
1: she might have mentioned the pigtails or something because mm-hmm. i know in that picture she had pigtails mm-hmm. so maybe she mentioned her hairstyle or something um yeah
2: some sort of specific detail yeah that allowed allowed uh yb to make the connection of like you shouldn't know this so how do you know this sort of right thing.
1: Homies, if I find what Coraline said, I will insert audio track here. Okay, homies, I did go back and rewatch that scene, and I did find the dialogue where Coraline mentions to YB some aspects of the Lost Sisters' physical features, and that is what he uses to compare to the photograph. However... There is a deleted scene that has slightly different dialogue that both Roshane and I just cannot, cannot allow to only be witnessed by us. We need the homies to also hear this dialogue that they understandably cut. So first is the clip from the actual film, from the final cut of the film. And then second is the cut bit of dialogue that I just need you guys to hear. You stole that doll, didn't you? Well, it, it looked
3: just like you. And I, I figured- It used to look like this pioneer girl. Then Huck Finn Jr. Then it was this little rascals chick with all these ribbons and braids and grandma's missing sister. I think I just met her. Come on.
1: Uh, listen, I, I, I'm really not supposed to- Whoa!
3: All these ribbons and braids and your grandma's black right um yeah i just met her sister
2: by the end why believes her and i don't personally take too much mental stock as to why like in the moment i'm just like cool thank god you were there oh yeah
1: seriously thank god you were there because yeah (laughs) she was smooth about to about to die so kudos to you although it's cat david also, kind of brought YBS back up. Yeah. So, de- technically, that's why I stand the cat, you guys. He is the unsung <laughs> hero of Coraline. <laughs> like, obviously, Coraline's putting in work. She's like carrying the whole other world on her back. But.
2: Without Cat David, she may be button eyes. Yeah. She may be button eyes.
1: Oh, easily button eyes. Immediately button. If not button eyes, she'd still be. She'd still be sitting at home looking for her parents and her parents would still be trapped in the the snow globe.
2: Mhm. Big facts, big facts.
1: So like, you know, what am I going to What do you want me to say?
2: <laughs> He's
1: a star. What do you want me to say? Uh.
2: <laughs> Uh, and also a couple like closing thoughts too. Uh, the final, the final, final imagery of like everybody out in the garden. Mm-hmm. The parents have successfully sold or done whatever they needed to do to be have a successful life at least for now. Um, it feels good. Like it's a yeah. very feel good ending. I love that all the characters have not changed, they are still who they are. We just have a different lens on them and it makes them feel brighter, I think in comparison to when we saw them before. Um, Getting to see YB's grandma for the first time is also always Mm -hmm. super, super sweet. And I just, I love the feeling that this movie leaves you with. Like, the complete opposite feeling to our last episode yeah, on yeah. Wolf Creek about just feeling completely empty and drained in your soul. I feel like Coraline leaves you feeling very hopeful yeah. and with a different lens to kind of look at life with. And I really appreciate that from this kind of movie.
1: Yes, agreed. Yeah, there's, it's a nice ending. It really feels like Coraline is open and is really accept accepting of her new environment. And it also seems like, yeah, everything seems like is going well for her parents. Now they are trying to. I like what I like in this ending is it's very clear that they are trying to do things that Coraline enjoys because the whole time she's been trying to get them out into the garden and like get them to Mm -hmm. plant things. And the mom's like, I hate dirt and all this stuff. And then and she's still feels that way, but because it's something that Coraline loves, she's like willing to do it. And also too, Coraline is like obviously much more. I don't know. She just feels more patient and like just really seems like no matter what everybody says in the past, she might have had like a retort to something. But in this one, she just seems like she's really like, like I said, accepting of like the way that everybody is and okay with that. And I like, mm-hmm. I like that. We love the growth. We love the journey.
2: <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> great journey, great destination. And I think a fantastic end to a very uh, whimsical and fun, mm-hmm. um, yet sometimes creepy story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on that note, I think is probably that time to uh, do the rating for Coraline and now Button nice eyes has been said several times in the past five minutes. And I don't know if that's the vibe, it's but gotta
1: it's gotta be button nice. eyes.
2: It's gotta be button nice. eyes. Yeah. All right. Uh would you like to go first? Or would you like me to go first?
1: How about you go first?
2: You want me to go yeah. first? All right. That's all that's all good because I'll make it easy for you. Coraline's a five, yeah. man. <laughs> Coraline is a easy five button nice eyes out of five. Um this is just such a great movie i think from beginning to end um love for stop motion animation aside i think that it is a beautiful tale told very beautifully with very well written and well played characters i think the journey Coraline goes on is fantastic and i think the world that is crafted around her for her to go on this journey of growth growth and development is so rich and full and at the same time it can be scary and daunting and i think these are all the different elements that you want in this kind of film for like the audience that it's made for and even after seeing this movie several times over i love it every single time it never feels like a chore to watch the pacing is fantastic it it's just the the whole time i i enjoy it and so this is one of the easier ratings for me i i kind of already knew from the get but Easy, easy five out of five uh button eyes mm-hmm. for me.
1: Yeah. It's five out of five button eyes for me as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's a it's a great movie. It's so much fun to watch, it's so creative. It's just it's a joy to all of the senses for me. The music is mm-hmm. great. What I'm watching is great, the way it makes me feel is great. Like I just feel like this movie is one of those movies where I almost enjoy it and appreciate it more every single time that I watch it. And I don't always feel that way about movies. The attention to details insane like and even just just to mention this now because I didn't earlier like even in the end when we come back to Coraline and at that end when we see her with everybody like the fact that there's more color in the world than there was prior i think also just is a really nice touch to show that she is really starting to flourish in this Mm. in this world and just little things like that i think the story is a really great tale of like a, a coming of age story for our main character but then also a um like little girl in a twisted world story and i really love that. I just yeah, i would highly recommend Coraline to anybody that has never seen it before. And i, I mean, i still i still bring it up when people talk about stop motion. Um so yeah, it's a it's a 5 out of 5 for me. Easy peasy.
2: Mm, easy peasy. Um also a quick shout out to just cuz we didn't have a lot of time in the episode for it, but I mean, stop motion takes a lot of different people, takes a lot of different departments to make these things work. And so um, from, I think, Travis Knight, Oliver Jones, Brian McLean, Martin Manu, um, Aletha Chrome, Georgina Haynes, um, people in animation, rigging, photography, knitting, puppetry, like all the different moving parts that go into um stop motion just a quick shout out to them because these kinds of productions would not be possible without these people that have these very specific set of skills um that make these stop-motion movies such a joy to watch so Mm -hmm. kudos to y'all thank you for the hard work and to everybody who was a part of this fantastical Mm -hmm. um experience of a movie
1: imagine if this episode was two hours long and 30 minutes of it was just us naming people (laughs) <laughs> and how what they contributed to the movie <laughs> it's like when people do a, an award speech and they're like um uh shout out um deborah deborah latham um she grabbed my bagel on my first day of set bagel. thank you so much and you're like what
2: <laughs> oh, but,
1: shit. but yeah homies that's it for um for Coraline. Quick question Have you seen Paranorman? Not yet. <gasps> all right, all right. Mm-hmm. That okay. might have to be the next okay. one because that okay. one is also a banger, a bit of all a banger. Right. So, um yeah, if you guys would like to, us to cover Paranorman, please let us know. Um, and also let us know your thoughts on Coraline. If you would like to talk to us about that, you can always reach us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you want to get a little bit more in depth, you can slip into the discord. That's where we hang out with the homies all day, every day, chit chat about all things horror and a little bit of extra stuff on the side. If you would like to come in there, the link for that is also in our social media bios. And you can always email us. We are homies of horror at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on Monday, the day the episode comes out, that means that we are streaming on Twitch tonight. If you would like to come and see us play some spooky games, have a good time and chit chat with the homies, then you can come through. And the link for that is also in our social media bios And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better, recommends us to more listeners, and we just like to hear what you're thinking of the show. So if you have an account and have not done that, we would love for you to, or you can just always review us No. You can rate us on Spotify to do so. (laughs) Just go to our name, hit the stars underneath and leave a rating through Spotify. We always appreciate it, but that is it. First episode of October out of the way. Let's go. Let's go. Can you believe it? Um, Like I said, we've got some stuff planned for you guys this month. So keep an eye out on for the next episode. And I hope that things stay real spooky for you guys this month.
2: (laughs) Catch you next time, homies.
1: Bye.